0: Good morning, our Bible reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 to 11, so Paul's second letter to Corinthians, reading from chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive, we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Thank
1: you, and good morning church. So good to be here this morning to talk to you all about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. And that is suffering, the Christian response to it, and where God is in it, and how He actually comforts us in these times. So this morning we're going to be taking a pretty good look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. And I've preached on 2 Corinthians a few times in my time here at GPC. And that's because it's one of my favourite parts of the Bible. And it's one of my favourite parts because it deals with some pretty heavy topics that are fun, but also very hard to tackle. And in today's passage, as I said, we're going to be looking at suffering and the believer's response to it. While we go through it, we'll be asking the questions, where is God in suffering and why do we suffer? In this opening chapter, the Apostle Paul addresses suffering, the Christian response to it, and where God is in the midst of it. And this letter is overflowing with amazing insights and is worth returning to again and again, as it's useful for being strengthened and encouraged, especially as we'll see that God is our surprising comfort in our suffering, which is why I've called today's sermon, The Surprising Comfort in Suffering. But a little background before we get into it. Paul wrote this letter to prepare the way for his next visit to the city of Corinth, Um, in the church he established in those cities. And one of his goals in writing was to remove any obstacle that might make that journey difficult or prevent it from being beneficial to everyone. In essence, his aim was to cause the people of God in Corinth to self-examine these challenging areas in their lives, which is exactly what we're going to be doing today. This morning, we're going to be looking at a few key points that touch on suffering. And the first is that God is our comfort in our suffering. When we go through this point, we're going to be asking, where is God in suffering? And the second is, because God is our comfort, we can actually rely on him through these times of trial and hardship. When we do this, we'll be asking, why do we suffer? I want to preface this talk by saying that this should just be the beginning of those questions. I hope this will prompt you to go home and study this further and push into God as you do so, in hope and reliance that he will be your comfort and your strength. So our first point, God is our comforter in our suffering. As we all know, suffering is inevitable in this life. We have all suffered, we will all continue to suffer until the day we die or the day Jesus returns. There is something utterly human about suffering. It permeates every aspect of our lives due to the sinful, fallen nature of this world. This suffering leaves many hurting people asking the question, where is God? Which is a valid question, and the surprising answer is that God is in every aspect of our suffering. He doesn't just leave people to struggle through hardship alone. In this chapter, we learn that God is compassionate and that he is our comforter in our troubles. For the believer in Christ, suffering can be a strangely beautiful thing. It can be strangely beautiful because through our suffering, we can be comforted by God himself And through that comfort, we can comfort others in their own troubles. And this is something to praise God for, which is exactly how Paul opens this letter. It might be worth starting by thinking about the ways Paul identifies God in verse 3, because I believe that the way we respond to hardship and suffering hinges on these opening verses. He starts by saying, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. And these identifiers are actually quite staggering, so let's just slow down and take a look at them. First up, God is called the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is so important, because it's through Christ the Son that we know God the Father. The same Son that lived a perfect life on earth, was crucified, suffered and died on the cross, So that all who believe in Jesus would live and have eternal life. God is father to Christ and father to us who believe. He knows what it is to lose, to feel agony, sorrow and sadness, and yet he is full of compassion and comfort. This reminds the Corinthians that they're not simply following Paul into hardship and suffering, but they're followers of Christ, the Son of God, who is worthy of all praise. God is not an impersonal entity, Rather, he is a person that has experienced pain, loss, and sorrow, and therefore he knows what it is to fit to comfort in those times. Secondly, God is called the Father of Compassion and the God of all comfort. There is a personal relationship here. Paul has seen and felt what it is to know and be known by the Father of Compassion and the God of all comfort. Paul a former persecutor of the church, and a man who has experienced persecution himself knows God as the perfect comforter. And the word we translate as comforter comes from the Greek word paraklesis. And this word has a wonderful meaning in the New Testament. It has the ideas behind it of soothing consolation, of supporting influence, of encouragement, helping, strengthening, and of course, comforting. The compassion and comfort we receive from God in our troubles is a blessing. And when we know God as the God and Father of Jesus, we know him personally and relationally as one who has experienced suffering and sorrow. And when we know God as the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, we are the source of limitless, never-ending, perpetual comfort and compassion as our comforter. So God is everywhere in our suffering as a relational God. He's one who cares, and he's one who comforts. I too have experienced loss and pain in my life. In 2012, about 10 years ago now, I experienced the loss of my older brother. He passed away when I was finishing my last year of high school, and this was a pretty foundational time for me. As a year earlier, my brother was the one who first brought me along to church. I was still new to the faith, and I had a lot of questions But the one thing that kept me going through these hard times was that I knew God as compassionate and comforting. He wasn't distant or impersonal. I didn't have everything figured out. I'd suffered a great loss, but I knew that God was good. And I knew that God was caring for me in ways I couldn't explain. Which meant that in turn, I could care for those around me who were also suffering and hurting. I felt the peace of knowing God as the God and Father of Jesus and the Comforter. I knew him as friend and king and as the suffering and sovereign saviour. The result of knowing God relationally in these ways changes the way we view suffering and this manifests in many ways. When we patiently endure through suffering, we deepen our appreciation of God's character, which allows us to serve others in their suffering. Paul notes four different ways this happens in verses 4 through 7, where we'll see that God's comfort, what God's comfort does in suffering. The first thing is that we can comfort others in their troubles. This happens as we read from the end of verse 3, where it says, The God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort others in any trouble, with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You see, one of the great purposes of God in comforting us in our suffering is to enable us to comfort others. When we know God on a profoundly personal level, we'll have a comfort from him that is unlike any other comfort available in this world. And this in turn enables us to love and care for others who are suffering themselves and to give them the comfort that we have have received from God. The second thing is that we identify with Christ, which produces hope in the believer. Knowing God as comforter allows us to know that just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Christ is the suffering saviour. This means that although we share in the sufferings of Christ, like temptation, sorrow, persecution, and death, we also share in the comforts of Christ, like the strength that comes from knowing God, like being sorrowful yet always rejoicing, like identifying with Christ and the hope of the resurrection to come. And these are amazing things to put the hope of our comfort in, that we can resist temptation because we have the strength of God to do so, that we can feel sorrow yet always be rejoicing because we know who God is and that he is sovereign and he is in control. That we can identify with Jesus as our great high priest who knows the pain of suffering and yet also knows what it means to know God and his comfort in the midst of all this. And that we have the ultimate hope of the resurrection to come. The third thing that God is doing in our suffering is that he's producing patient endurance in believers. In verse 3 we read, That, oh sorry, verse 6. That if we are distressed, it's for your comfort and your salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. You say patiently enduring suffering deepens our appreciation of God's character, which allows us to empathise and serve others and worship God in the midst of our hardships. The fourth and last is that hope is produced in ourselves and for others. See, God works through these difficult circumstances. From many passages in the Bible, we learn that suffering is promised in the life of the believer. Just as it is for the unbeliever too. Nevertheless, believers are promised consolation, hope, comfort in the midst of all these hardships. In verse 7 we read, And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. You see, God is compassionate and he is our comforter in our suffering. He's not absent, he's everywhere in the midst of these hardships. So seek to know God personally as the Father and seek to know him as the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Through knowing God this way, you can be comforted yourself in your troubles and you can then go out and comfort others in their troubles because you have an unshakable hope that allows you to serve others. Which leads me to my next point, which is that as we know God as comforter, we should rely on God. So because God is the God of comfort, we can learn a reliance on him in our suffering. In fact, Paul astonishingly tells us that his experience of extreme suffering, ones that put him under great pressure and even caused a period of depression for him, happened so he would learn to not rely on himself, but so that he'd rely on God. From verse 8 we read, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. There is something here that's very important for us to understand, whether you're a believer or not. And that's that suffering, whether physical, mental or spiritual, is a part of the human condition and experience, and it's for a purpose. The reason I say it's normal for the believer and the unbeliever is because many who struggle with faith often have the wrong understanding of suffering. The believer who is suffering might ask questions like, if I have faith, why do I still suffer so much? Why is life so hard for me? And the unbeliever might ask, if God is good or even real, why would he allow so much suffering in the world? But this is a false understanding of God and what he does through our experience of pain. When Paul says in verse 8, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the hardship, about the troubles we experienced, Paul wants his audience to know it isn't something that should be hidden from them. To paint a false narrative of his life would be to deny the Corinthians the opportunity to grow and learn through the hardship he faced. Whether And they too will face the same hardship, whether they remain in the faith or not. For the Corinthians to know what Paul faced is to prepare them for life. It's to show them that difficulties in life are the norm and to be vulnerable about his own struggles because he learned a lot through that time. We get an idea from the line, we despaired of life itself, that Paul was facing a severe mental health crisis. However, Paul said that this all happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. His faith in God as the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort meant that as he faced this period of his life, he only could rely on God and not on himself, as God is the one who raises the dead. Christ has been raised from the dead. Paul had faith that he would be raised from the dead. And we, if we believe in Jesus, can have faith that we too, we raised from the dead. So we don't look to ourselves, our own understanding, intellect, wisdom or strength for reliance or deliverance. As we strive to figure out these questions in life, like where is God in suffering and why does he allow suffering? We should look to God, the one who is sovereign, compassionate and comforting and who raises the dead. We should rely on him and not on ourselves, because with our own strength, we will falter. But with God's, we can stand and be strong. When we rely on God, on the compassionate God of all comfort, we can fight for our faith and persevere to the end, and learn a reliance on God that is unshakable. Recently, I read an article by Ashley Baker titled, Loss and Scandal Led Me to Jesus, Why I'm Not Deconstructing. In her article, she chronicles two responses to suffering that have been common through her, um, in churches throughout the ages. That is, the responses of those who are deconverting or deconstructing their faith, and those who aren't. She begins by listing how she ticked all the boxes of how she fit the mould of what it looks like to be a Christian. From all appearances, she did all the right things, and then through a series of events, her life fell apart. Tragedy after tragedy struck her family and her church, And this experience of suffering had an effect on her that left her asking the difficult questions like, if the Christian life ended this way, what hope is there for me? With so much pain around me and in the world, how can God be good? And does God really exist? But Baker goes on to say, as isolated as I felt in my struggle, I didn't want to withdraw, I didn't withdraw from the church, but I leaned into the very community I struggled to accept. I didn't realize at the time how important this step was. She goes on to say, I discovered how God often meets the needs of his people through his people. Baker tells of how she felt the full weight of her suffering, but she didn't seek to deconvert or deconstruct her faith, even though the events of her life could have led down that path. She finishes the article by advising, As someone who's been where you are, my counsel to you is to walk toward, not away from Jesus and his church, even if you feel like you want to walk away. I too have seen many friends leave the faith. And I wish they had taken this advice instead. This wise counsel is exactly what Paul urges us to do too. In verses 10 and 11, we receive two wonderful applications to practice while we rely on God as our comforter through our suffering. And the first is to lean harder on God's deliverance. Paul says in verse 10 that... He, God, has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. People will ultimately disappoint us. The world will hurt us. But God is good and when we lean harder on God, knowing that he can deliver us, we can have a firm and solid hope. Paul's hope in God was that he'd been delivered from the sentence of death. He had hope that God would do it again. He suffered greatly, but his hope in God was even greater. So, put your hope in God as the ultimate perfect saviour, as the only hope that will never disappoint you. Through our suffering and our sorrow, run toward God, not away from him. Lean harder on him for deliverance in times of hardship and suffering. And the second exhortation is to push into God's people. Paul says in verse 11, as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Paul sought that the people of the Corinthian churches would pray for him and explain that their prayers would bring God glory. The church is a hospital for the sick, so it's reasonable to note that it will not always be a perfect place. It won't always get it right. However, it's a great place to draw near to God. When we draw near to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, as Paul commends us to do, we'll be around those who want to help us in the best way possible, and that's by sharing and showing the love of Christ. Through this, we can discover how God often meets the needs of his people through his people. And God may meet our needs through conversations with our fellow faithful believers. So be around God's people. Pray for God's people. Ask for prayer from God's people. Draw near to the people of God. Rely on God in your suffering. When faced with suffering, we have two choices. To deconstruct our faith and run from God, or to push into God harder than ever, knowing that he's our comfort in our suffering, and to push into the people of God, to have them praying for you and with you, and to be praying for them alongside you. Through these, we can learn to rely on God, which brings a peace and comfort greater than any other. Suffering is inevitable in this life. We will all face pain in this life. We all have faced pain. But God is not absent or out of control. God is good. He is sovereign. He is merciful through all the hardships we've had to endure. As we've seen, God is everywhere in our suffering as our comforter. He's caring for us as a compassionate father and the God of all comfort. Knowing God this way helps us to be comforted in our troubles and to comfort others in their troubles. Helps us to identify with Christ as the suffering saviour, to produce patient endurance in ourselves, which glorifies God as we rely on him. And to have a firm and solid hope for ourselves and others. As we see God this way, as being a part of our suffering and not distant, we can learn to rely on God for deliverance to lean on him, and to push into God's people as they help us through hard times. So look to God as the compassionate comforter. Rely on him. Seek after him. Only then will you find a true hope that brings lasting peace and comfort that is greater than all others. Please join with me as I pray that we do just that now. We thank you, Lord, that you are not absent. We thank you, Lord, that in our suffering you're a part of every aspect of it. We thank you, Father, that you are a relational God who knows the pain that we feel and you know us. We thank you, Father, that our suffering is not meaningless, rather it has a wonderful purpose. You draw us near to you and you comfort us. Your comfort enables us to comfort others, and in turn, Lord, this peculiar act brings you a special kind of glory. We ask, Lord, for those who are hurting in our church, that you'd be with them, that you would encourage us to pray for one another, and that we'd lean into you in our hardships. We pray, Father, that we'd push into your church to help us through these times. And we pray all this, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.